Welcome to One Giant Podcast. Along with Andy Makowitz, I'm Adam Armbrecht, coming to you each and every week with all things New York football giants. And as we come back, taking a look at the battle in East Rutherford, New Jersey, between the New York football giants and the New York Jets, an away game for the Giants, quote-unquote. How are we feeling, Andy? Late on a, on a Sunday evening, actually. We're recording this while, while taking in some Sunday night football. If you asked me before the game, I was excited. Mm-hmm. If you asked me during the game, mm-hmm. I was frustrated. Yeah. Let's go ahead and cut our teeth on this one here. I think we have some broad stroke takeaways, and, and then we're going to focus in on, on some of the key players from this one and, and more of that big picture stuff that we started to touch on before we got, a, we got involved with, uh, with Mr. Mason from the Play Like a Jet podcast, which I thought was really fun to have him on. And we saw a lot of great feedback from that as well. So let's dive right in, friends. All right, before we cut our teeth here on the Giants-Jets game and all that beautiful minutia, got to tell you about MyBookie.ag. Been telling you about this on the podcast for the last few weeks. If you're looking for those betting lines, head over to MyBookie.ag. Maybe you missed out by not taking the Jets to cover the spread against the Giants. Shame, shame on you, good sir or madame. My girlfriend recently reminded me that women are also a part of the world and they love sports. Everybody knows that. I knew that. It's not a big deal. The bottom line is, ladies, gals, gentlemen, gentle boys, head over to MyBookie.ag and check out all these betting lines. They got the Pittsburgh Steelers lined up in this Thursday night matchup with a plus three over the Cleveland Browns. Or maybe you want to take a look at the New Orleans Saints giving five and a half to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in spite of the fact that they just laid a big fat egg against the Atlanta Falcons. And if you're feeling bullish on some of these, why don't you go ahead and line yourself up for a little parlay action. I think you can lock in the Jets for another W against the Redskins straight up. It's not just the NFL lines. You can get your NBA, NHL, tennis, golf, MMA, boxing, the MLS soccer season just wrapped up, but you can still get in on the betting lines for the Premier League. I'm talking Tottenham, ladies and gentlemen. Go ahead and get some action for yourself. And if you're a smart fellow or lady, when you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means that if you deposit $2,000, you guessed it, friends, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code OVERTIME to activate the offer. That is code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. You can visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Well, Adam, the first thing I have to say is it feels like Groundhog Day because every game in the first quarter, I look up at the score and Every single time, it's 14 nothing. Giants no matter winning. who oh, no. the Giants are playing, they're down 14 nothing. Yeah, and they highlighted that during the broadcast today when we were watching. I, I think they went back, and it may, there was one other game where it was actually 17 nothing at one point, but they listed three other games where they were down 14 nothing. So, you know, there's four games now through five in the season where the, where the Giants have been trailing to start the game 14 nothing or even 17 nothing at times. And we've highlighted, and I've been in, as Andy and I have gone back and forth about this, in defense of the defense at times. But end of the day, starting out the way they have like this, you're certainly putting an offense that has been trying to find its rhythm and has had its own struggles in a bit of a hole 
when you turn around and in the first quarter, you're down by two scores. We have killed Pat Shermer on his play calling, all the things that happen here. But when you get down two scores in the first quarter of every game, like it, it, that's what it feels like to me. And it has been at least three of the last four games. It's so hard for the giants to get in a rhythm. You know, every single time we get stopped on one of those plays on second or third down, like you can just feel the cringe from giant fans where we're just, we're not doing the right things on either side of the ball early on in the game. Yeah. And if uh, I'm sure you'll be pulling up some of the stat lines here, I'm trying to remember what Saquon actually finished with in his attempts and yardage, because this is something that you've been preaching in a handful of these games. Now, Coming into this one, we knew Jalapio had sustained an injury, so he gets replaced by Spencer Foley, a player who had, who had played at center for us a number of games last year. And then Remmers was also out in this one, so you had a backup right tackle. Early, Nate Soldier suffers an injury, and he goes out. So now all of a sudden, you're effectively down you know, three-fifths of your line, and you knew it was going to be a struggle. But I want to highlight something you've been bringing up. Where did Saquon finish on just rushing attempts? So Saquon Barkley finished with 13 rushes for one yard. Right. That's what I th- So I remember hearing late in the, in the game at some point, they brought that line up. Now, getting the ball into Barkley's hands however you can, and that means utilizing him through the passing game and getting him out into space. We did see him line up on the outside, you know, split out wide a number of times in this game. However, I think we, we more thought – you would utilize him in a route that brings him across the middle of the field instead of what effectively becomes a bubble screen on the outside, because I don't know if that's any more effective of a strategy. And I know you were frustrated watching Saquon. And I think even at one point you were almost, you were close to being angry with Saquon Barkley. And I had to rein you in. Yeah. And, and Saquon caught five passes for 30 yards, which is not, you know, in six yards per, uh, reception is not is not great but if you consider those rushing plays right exactly so so I think I've been just frustrated with the Giants offensive line as most Giant fans have been and there was a point where we kept running the ball up the middle with Saquon Saquon Barkley where I looked at him and I said you know I love Saquon I think he's a dynamic player but there's sometimes where we just give all these great players like an out and we say whenever they're not doing well it's always someone else's fault well and this goes back into play calling that we talked about too right because i think you and i have highlighted in the past handful of games some of the touchdown successes that they've had were coming in the red zone when they were able to let a tight end leak out of the backfield or have saquon barkley leak out and have Daniel Jones find him and then likewise some of the limited running success we've seen has been about getting Saquon to the edge because again it's the quickest route to get him to space as opposed to trying to go through the offensive line north and south and get to the second level where you can make some moves and that really speaks to the play calling where you felt like far too often again it's these up the gut runs and I don't know it's a weird dynamic because I'm not going to harp on Shermer too much on this because I, you know, the reality is you do need to run the ball. You need to have balance. But I don't know if it is just stubbornness on his part of we want to run the ball, so we're going to run the ball at the gut. 
as opposed to just accepting the reality and saying, what do we need to do? Spread five wide more often. Have Barkley out as a receiver. Do what's necessary in order to get your playmakers the ball in their hand. This feels like a little bit like a broken record, even going back to the Ben McAdoo era and, you know, and when we had Odell Beckham, where it was about what does it take? You know, Eli Manning's the problem. You got to get the ball in your playmakers. And if you don't do that, then that's the issue. And it's like new regime, new set of skilled players, and you're still not seeing that necessarily happen. Okay, so we – I don't want to beat up on the Saquon piece. They gave him touches. They gave him 13 uh, rushing. They gave him five. But 18 receiving. touches is still not that good. Yeah, but, it's, it's still not enough, and, and I, I, I will bang the drum, drum every single time about how Saquon needs 20 to 25 touches every game. Uh-huh. But let's, let's move off the side. Yeah, yeah. We thought we could expose them on the outside. And I got to say – for a positive, because I just don't want to talk about negatives for the Giants, can we talk about Darius Slayton for a second? Well, listen, buddy, we can. And the best segue that I can think is that yours truly made the call of all calls in fantasy football today. Ladies and gentlemen, now you can, you can know that Matthew Stafford didn't start for the Detroit Lions, and maybe you'd say, obviously, you would sit down Galladay. No, it takes guts, my friends, to reach into the waiver wire, pull Darius Slayton in, and start him and sit Galladay, and it paid off in spades. He went off in, in this one in particular, and we were talking about this during the game as a positive. I think this was unlike the last game where he had two touchdowns a couple games ago, where it was like on four catches. This felt like a much more establishing game for Darius Slayton, where he was making difficult catches, catches out away from his body, and not just the deep bombs, right? This felt like a statement game from a rookie receiver that I feel like we can really rely on going forward now. And, and so we're going to give a couple kudos. So I had the Jets winning this game, yeah. but I had the total points way lower than what was going to happen. And shame on me for thinking that the Giants defense was going to sh- step up in any regard. And I will never do that for the rest of the season. You have my word. Um, Adam, yeah, I, has, I, say, I will be, I will be swearing that off as well. Yes, I think that I, I like, you know, like, I think that I've convinced myself in some of these games of like, here's where I think it can be. But anytime, if I'm going to call for a win, it can only be the 31, 28, 35, 31. There is no Giants win. I, I called for this one to be 24, 17. There, there, there's, right. there's no scenario where that's the case. So, so shame on Adam for picking <laughs> the Giants, but having a higher team total. But it went over all of our expectations, and the and the Jets still came out on top. But that was the first thing. The second thing is Adam made an amazing call, picking up Darius Slayton at 12.45 p.m. Mm-mm. right beforehand and starting him for Galladay, which was a gutsy move, but it was the right move. Darius Slayton had 10 receptions for 121 and two touchdowns. He was unbelievable, and it wasn't even – the yards. It wasn't the two touchdowns. It was, he was making the catches that you expect a big time receiver to make. And to me, he was the most impressive guy on the field between both teams. And out of this game, we talked about before, what did I want to see? I want to see Daniel Jones look great. This kind of had that game where I was like, well, okay, we lost, but Daniel Jones threw for four touchdowns. He threw for over 300 yards. He Darius Jamal Adams yeah. to touch well, up well, we'll go in a second, but yeah. he, he he Darius Slayton got ten receptions for 121. Golden Tate 
had four, 95, two touchdowns, mm-hmm. it made me excited. But again, the issues that he has with fumbling pop up. This time, the fumble that he had wasn't an actual fumble. He actually had a handoff to Jamal Adams, though. Well, you know what? The weird part about that was, too, Jamal Adams comes in and Saquon Barkley tries to pick him up. I mean, this is, this is a tip of my cap to Jamal Adams because he shoves. He just shoves Barkley out of the way. Then he gets to Daniel Jones, gets his hand on the ball, basically with one hand, and with his other hand, just forearms Jones to the ground and then scoots for a touchdown. I mean, it was an incredibly impressive play. So, of course, it would have to be that the Jets were considering the idea of possibly trading this guy. But the, to, to, to cap off just the idea from an offensive standpoint, you know, it is disappointing to see Jones still have those fumble issues. I do think that it is the kind of thing that in the offseason you can clean up. I, I, I suspect it's hard to rectify this in season because it's live game action. And I don't, I don't know. It feels like from having seen these handful of games that it's just something that you can teach out of them. Like you can teach anything out of a player, but not necessarily week to week because there's, you're preparing for other teams. You're trying to learn new schemes, whatever you want to do. The other thing that I really liked in this game in regards to Slayton is that, and even Golden Tate to that extent, but you know, you don't have Sterling Shepard and you don't have Evan Ingram. When you have so few weapons, you know, Darius Slayton was plugging in as the number one and being effective. So that was, that was an enormous positive for me. And I, I love that going forward. Beyond that, you know, are there any other, are there any other positives that you can take away before cause we can look over a kind of the defensive side of the ball for the giants in this one? Well, Adam, the one thing that I want to look at, which I find fascinating is if you look at just the quarterback stats on this game, Daniel Jones, was 26 of 40 for 308, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Mm-hmm. If you look at that stat line alone, you would say the Giants win this game handily. Then I turn over to Sam Darnold. He's 19 of 30, one touchdown, no interceptions. Mm-hmm. If I just gave you that stat line alone and I asked you what the final score was, I think it speaks to a larger theme in NFL football, right? What is it? It's a team game. No one facet of your game can be successful without others contributing in order to, in order to get a win on a, on a week-in, week-out basis. So, you know, the funny or funny, depressing part about Jones, and you and I kind of talked about this during the game, we were going back and forth. I'm not, again, it's hard for me to say I'm defending the defense, but here's the problem, right? Like, they give up 14 points early. Clearly, it's a defensive problem. But Betcher has shown every week that then he can scheme himself into the game for the second and third quarters, and then tends to fall apart in the fourth quarter. And in, the, in between there, Daniel Jones can do a lot of good for you, and then also will hand a touchdown to the other team. So right in the mix of the defense playing their best football of the game, your offense manages to also do something that takes away from it. And we, we've mentioned this time and time again about consistency, and, and this has been the problem. One side is up while one side is down, right? And to start these games, especially, it's been both sides of the ball have been struggling. That's how you find these big deficits. But, you know, the defensive side of the ball for me, we we talked about this a little bit. There was a lot of stuff on social media I was noticing around DeAndre Baker. I think fans are really starting to turn on him a little bit. We talked about it last podcast. I can't pass judgment on this kid until until next season. There's just no way that I'm going to judge any rookie, including Daniel Jones, including even Darius Slayton. I'm high on him right now. It doesn't mean that he may not do something poorly or Daniel Jones, et cetera, et cetera. 
but I can't say anything until I've seen in year two. I think it's more systematic of the defense as a whole needing more components in it in order for any one individual to just be successful, right? Adam, I'm going to go on the other side of this. DeAndre Baker was horrible in this game. He did not play well at all. And I have huge concerns about him moving forward. I know that he's a rookie. I know that rookies make rookie mistakes. But every single time we talk about this, I talk about how the defense puts them in a hole. The offense kind of brings them back. And every single game, sometime early in the third quarter, moving into the fourth quarter, there's a pivotal drive that will decide the game. And again, Groundhog Day, and I'm Bill Murray. It is the end, like right at the end of Stop the third. It's a great movie. It's a great film, and you put this negative connotation on. I understand where you're going with this. But it, right at the end of the third quarter, I DeAndre totally Baker, pass interference, 33 yards, puts the Jets down to the one-yard line when the Giants are winning the game. And, and all of a sudden, boom, touchdown Jets. And it felt like the game was over at that point. Like, I, I did not have confidence because even if the Giants came back and either scored a touchdown or a field goal, I don't have confidence in the defense. Believe me, I've, I've come around on it as well. And I, I would never say that I had confidence in the defense, but I certainly just felt like at times they've been able to play well in games. And the balance is always what I keep coming back to. This isn't in defense, again, even with Baker, because I think he has. He has had a hard time. And I'm not saying that he didn't play bad in this game. My my counterpoint to that would be that how many games, how many bad games, of all the handful of good games that he's had as well, how many bad games has Norris Jenkins had for the Giants this year, right? Veteran cornerback. How many games has Antoine Buffet had that have been god-awful, right? Now, Buffet is a different thing at this stage of his career than maybe Jenkins is, but Jenkins has had bad games, Jenkins has had miserable games. Lime Ogletree has had miserable games. Baker has had a ton of miserable games. And there's been points in them where I think you can also take a look and say, last week was the great example of it where they were like, oh, it's a blown coverage by uh, Baker on that one. And then they come out to after the fact, and you're like, nope, supposed to be doing zone coverage, but they totally bails out and doesn't cover his zone. And that's what leads to this big play. Now that's one in a handful of plays that you can talk about Baker and him just making mistakes. Pass interference calls being the biggest issue that I think he's having, keeping his hands off of players. I think more often than not, he's actually in pretty good position and he doesn't necessarily trust that he has good position and he gets his hands on a receiver and that's where he gets himself into trouble. Or the pass interference in the Jets game where it ends up being, if he turns his head around, he's totally clean on that one, but he doesn't, and it's a pass interference. And I think, again, those are things you can learn away from. And this isn't in defense of him, but it's, it's just to say, young players on the team, I can't look at and judge them when I look at the collective unit and say, right, there's a lot of bad habits on this unit right now. How can this kid be learning? You know? so, so and we've been talking I, about Betcher being bad as I, well. I, well. I agree. Haley and... DeAndre Baker are in the bottom six of all cornerbacks. 100%. In terms of yards per play. Yeah. Like the two of them out of 66 cornerbacks in the league, they are. Yeah, they're 63rd and 65th in 66 cornerbacks in the league. We're not. We're talking about our like a first round draft pick in DeAndre Baker. I know he's going to make mistakes, and that's fine. 
And I, I'm putting a lot on him right now. But what I will say is James Badger needs to go. We are, you know, bottom two or three in the league in total points per game. Our defensive players are not progressing. They are regressing. I was really high on him coming in. But again, after two full off seasons, I feel like you should have enough players. I feel like you can get things done in your system. It hasn't been effective. So I, I agree with you on that piece. The other side of it is, though, you know, to say that Shermer needs to make a move away from Betcher. <laughs> someone needs to make a move away from Shermer. Like, I, I you know, and I, I again, like you said, I, I've never been someone who's a quick trigger guy on this kind of stuff. I think you want to see things out. But I also feel like this but is if, But if Shermer wants to be the head coach of this team next year, he needs to show something within the next but doesn't he also six then, or seven games? And I don't know if anyone else feels it other than Pat Shermer, but James Betcher is not the guy right now. But I, I know we don't have the talent, but, but I don't think that Shermer is the guy but, either. But it, but if, but if Pat Shermer wants to save his job, Pat give Shermer up play calling to to Shula because give, you can't give up play calling. Yeah. He he needs to make a change. The whole idea is the defense is one of the worst, if not the worst in the league. They're giving up. 34 points to the Jets. 34 points. And I know one of those was a group no, no, fumble no. six. Yeah, we talked 27 points. Yeah. Even yeah. if they gave up 27 points, yeah. that's still bottom 10 in the league. You cannot continue to give up 28 to 35 points every single game and expect your team to win, especially when you're giving up 14 points in the first quarter every single time. He has to go. Shermer has to get him out of there. Because if Shermer doesn't, Shermer is a dead man walking. He has to make changes. If he doesn't make any changes, he's gone. If he makes a change and the defense actually looks okay and Daniel Jones shows progression, maybe Shermer saves his job. But if he continues the same thing, Shermer is gone. So he has to make a change. And I am am done, done, done with Betcher. All right, let's go ahead and give Andy a minute to kind of calm down and collect himself. Lord knows we can't have him blowing a gasket. He's a proud new papa. But in the meantime, I'll remind you guys that if misery loves company and you want to keep finding those seats to the next Giants football game in a couple weeks following the bye, head over to Vivid Seats app. Andy and I have been using this for years now and we've been crushing it getting credits back on everything that we purchase by downloading the app and getting enrolled automatically into the vivid seats rewards loyalty program and every purchase that you make on this app is going to be 100 buyer guaranteed very few things in life are like me having clean socks in the morning but vivid seats gives you 100 buyer guarantee it doesn't matter if you're looking to go check out the next giants game or the next jets game maybe come off that big win you can also go ahead and get yourself some tickets to go see some theater action in the city maybe you're taking out your best gal to go see the nutcracker this holiday season or maybe you want to head over to msg and catch a concert of your favorite band Ooh la la possibilities are endless on the vivid seats app and by the way when it's time to purchase new users can enter the promo code overtime at checkout to receive a discount of up to 100 dollars. that's right you head over and download this app wherever you want to get it you check out the sections the rows and the seats you find the tickets that work for you and when you go to purchase the new users get to enter that promo code o-v-e-r-t-i-m-e that spells overtime at checkout to receive a discount of up to one hundred dollars. 
do you think that any change will get made? Because for me, for me, I don't see that being the case, right? I don't know. We talked about this on previous podcasts. Do we think that Gettleman has given Shermer the assurance that you're going to get, you know, you're going to get the next year of your contract because we brought in Jones and this is what we need to see you accomplish. There's, you know, there's boxes to check for him behind the scenes and it's not about wins and losses, despite what you tell the public. Or do you think that, you know, that Shermer just has this idea in his head about what he wants to accomplish? Because from afar, again, I look at it as being, I just think that it's time to, it's probably time because you drafted the rookie quarterback. I think it's time to turn the page on this entire coaching staff to bring in a new staff that can be effective and to start new and fresh with especially the offensive unit, but knowing how the defense is played as well. And I know that that comes with its issues because a new, new, new regime is going to want certain players that they like or what have you. But at this stage of it, I think I feel comfortable saying that to your point, Fetcher has not been successful enough, has not shown enough of consistency to make this a worthwhile thing to stick with him. And then on an offensive side of the ball, the only caveat that I give to this is that it's not Shermer's fault that the offensive line has been far worse than they thought it was going to be. It's not on him. That is on Gettleman and who you bring in. So from that standpoint, I do look at it and say that might be the saving grace for Shermer sticking around no matter what happens the rest of the year is that he can point to that and say, we need, you know, three new offensive linemen. Look, the Giants are going into their bye week, and they have two weeks to prepare for the Bears. Mitchell Trubisky has, you know, he threw a few touchdowns, won the game this week, but he has not looked like a great quarterback. No. If there was ever a time for Shermer to save his job, here, here's the thing I look at it. If Pat Shermer does not make a change and the defense continues the way they are, which I think they will, and they're going to give up 30 points a game, his offensive mindset, his offensive guru, quote-unquote, is not going to let Daniel Jones progress further than what it is. He's going to get fired at the end of the year anyway. If he makes a change, and I don't care who it is, if the defensive line coach seems to be showing promise, if someone else within the coaching staff seems to be someone that has some creative ideas Mm -hmm. on how to get peppers into the box and do different things, Okay, but no, but, but wait. So the whole thing is if he doesn't make a change, they're going to give up 30 points a game for the rest of the season. And they're all going to get fired. If he makes a change during this bye week and he gives someone on the defensive staff two weeks to make a change and something actually changes, maybe Pat Shermer can keep his job. So my belief is if Pat Shermer wants to go down with the ship, and loves his coordinators and everything. Keep it the same way it is, Pat. Let's just tank to the bottom. If you want to make a change, make it now. You have two weeks to get ready for the next team, and maybe a coordinator can make a change. Well, see, here's my thing, though, is I I understand what you're saying, and and I do agree with elements of it. But at the same time, I look at it and I say, like we just talked about, right? Like, Betcher's the problem, right? Okay, so Betcher's the problem. Like, and, I, and like, and the offense, like, when does the offense look good against bad teams? Against good teams, our offense looks terrible. So, you know, and, and to your point, oh, the offensive guru mind of Pat Shermer, there's nothing about what he's done with this offense at any point, even when the, even when the O-line was playing pretty well, they did play well early in the season. I think they've gotten progressively worse and injuries have played a factor, et cetera, et cetera. But 
at a certain point too, I, I look at the play calling style of Pat Sherman. I just go, I don't, your, your offensive mind was effective for an NFL from 44 or five years ago, like when you were a coordinator in Minnesota, you're not effective in the new NFL for the new quarterback that you drafted, even though I know you like a mobile quarterback, you know, all that stuff. I actually think like that you have not figured out the best way to utilize your weapons because, uh, you, again, we talk about it every week, right? What are you not seeing? Getting Saquon Barkley into space and getting the ball into his hands. All of a sudden, Darius Slayton starts to have a bit of a big game, but you haven't seen him you We've seen games where Evan Ingram, even when healthy, has gone by the wayside because you're not getting the ball into his hands effectively. So Adam, I Adam. understand you, but I just don't think I just don't think that even changing the defensive coordinator should not correlate to Shermer keeping his job because those two things are unrelated outside of Shermer acknowledging something and making a change. I disagree with you, Adam. They got down 14-0 the Vikings. They got down 17-0 the Cardinals. They got down 14-0 to the Jets. What happens when you're down two scores early in a game? It changes everything you can do from a play-calling perspective. We actually haven't seen as much. No, as but, wait, but even in those scenarios, though, that, but that's that's a part of the point. I know I under, I understand what you're saying. You get down 14 points, it makes it harder to run the offense that you want to run. Totally fine. But then, even when you're down like that in those games, it makes it even more head scratching. Though, when when down by that big of a margin, you want to run a draw play up the gut to Saquon Barkley on a on a second and nine. When on a third and 16. You want to run for a five-yard whatever, you know, go a little scamper up the middle and say it played out exactly how we wanted it to play out so we could go for it on fourth and 12 or whatever it was from a few weeks ago. Like, so I, I get it, but you can't tell me there aren't several instances where it feels like Shermer is still not understanding what the listen, game should dictate. Listen, I am not a guy that thinks Pat Shermer is the answer for the Giants. But what I'm saying is in the, short is the in the short term, the biggest – problem is the defense against the Vikings they gave up 28 against the Patriots they gave up 35 against the Cardinals they gave up 27 Lions 31 Cowboys 37 Jets 34 they're giving up big time point totals I don't believe Pat Shermer is the answer but the only way we can find out if Pat Shermer is the head coach is if we change something on the defensive end because I feel like defense is the biggest problem right now and I think Betcher is the first kind of guy that has to fall on yeah, the sword. I don't, and, I don't, I don't, I don't knock it. I don't knock it, and we'll we'll move on from this piece of it because I think there's only so much we can say before we see if something does happen. The, the, but the caveat I've given every single week: it doesn't take any of the blame off the defense, and it doesn't take any of the blame off of the early game blunders from Betcher that has allowed the team to be down by 14 and 17 nothing in multiple games throughout the year. Unfortunately, as well though the the turnovers have played a factor in these score lines, and it, it doesn't – it can move the needle from saying the Giants are giving up, let's say – I don't know what it's at right now. Say it's 32 points a game. It makes it 26 points a game. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a world changer. But what I will say is there's probably two or three games where if, if collectively everybody played clean, you could be looking at games that the Giants could be in. And in spite of everything, you could even look at this past game against the Jets, a 34-27 loss – and as bad as the defense was, and you can never say it, but what, what is always the biggest thing? What is always the biggest thing that any NFL coach talks about, any NFL analyst always talks about, right? Win the turnover battle, win the game. 
That is always what across the board everyone points to. And every week the Giants lose the turnover battle. Now it's for two reasons, right? One, the defense doesn't really get turnovers or generate turnovers or generate pressure and sacks, et cetera. But it's because consistently this offensive unit, specifically Daniel Jones, and I'm high on him and I like him as our quarterback, but he's done a consistent job of turning the ball over. And that's led directly to a number of point instances, you know, and even like last week, you had four opportunities inside of the 10-yard 10, 10 line in the red zone for this offense, and you came away with four field goals, and that was a direct correlation about the, you know, where that game played out, even though we didn't expect a win. Adam, I'm not going to beat up the Giants' defense anymore. I'm not going to beat up Pat Shermer anymore. And what I'm going to say to you is, for me, after watching this game, you know, Daniel Jones had that fumble to Jamal Adams who grabbed it. It was like a handoff uh, to, to the touchdown. Uh, you know, he had that. That is seven points that goes directly to the offense. I agree with that. Daniel Jones had four touchdowns today. 100%. Amazing. Yep. Great. What, what I'm thinking about right now is – Saquon Barkley had one yard, right? That, that was frustrating. But in the, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things – Losing to the Jets was actually not the worst thing. And we talked about it in our podcast before. I'm not upset that the Giants lost. I'm not upset that we gave up points. I'm upset how we gave up the points and how many points we gave up. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm not upset with the result because Daniel Jones played pretty well. He got it to receivers. Darius Slayton was was exciting to see. Like we we're emerging a yeah. wide receiver, yeah. and also there's gonna be a race to a top five draft pick right now. And, and a lot of things broke our way. And uh, and, and you know the Dolphins win their game. Yep. The Jets beat the Giants. The and Atlanta all the, Falcons beat the, the Saints. The Falcons beat the Saints. Yep. And all of a sudden, when you start looking at it, you know I, I know it's a hard thing to do when we're still six games left in the season. It's, yeah. it, it still is trending in the right direction where Daniel Jones is looking great on offense. If we can get a top five draft pick, we can shore up the offensive line, which I think is one of our biggest culprits. And if the defense keeps you know giving up points, we're going to make a change on the defensive end and we can start rebuilding and getting draft picks on the, on the backside. Yeah, and I think that's probably the best note to, that we'll get out here on, and, and it's certainly something we talked about throughout the game, was just about the, the positives that you do want to take away. Daniel Jones has an effective offensive game, throws for four touchdowns. You highlighted, we highlighted Darius Slayton as well, and I think for the most part, that's really what you look at even on the back end of the season. It's how is Dexter Lawrence performing. We didn't touch on him a lot. I think that he can, you know, the guys against the defense, across the defensive line have continued to be relatively effective. I just think and again, it does go to your point. There seems to be scheme lapses that don't necessarily put them in the best position to be making plays or you know, busted coverages as a result of a zone call versus man-to-man. Le'Veon Bell had 18 carries for 34 yards. Yes, and that directly, you know, we, we talked about it with Scott Mason as well about the Leonard Williams trade, right? He was saying, I think that Jets fans are going to look at this and say, good riddance, he was a, oh, he's always an almost guy. But he highlighted how important it is to be an almost guy in the NFL because it, getting an almost sack can, causes a quarterback to make a bad decision or breaks up a play or is effective against the run. And again, I, I thought the line was pretty effective in this game, especially against the rushing attack of Le'Veon Bell. So, you know, going forward, we're going to look at those positives and try to highlight these players. 
And even DeAndre Baker is going to be a guy that I watch over the last handful of games to see if he shows some improvements. You know, him maybe getting his first pick as a rookie is going to be a nice stepping stone for him. Or, or you know, or avoiding pass interference penalties. There's a lot of things he could do better. Uh, and I'll be looking forward to seeing, like, Julian Love and other players like that. But we're on to the bye week. Guess That's what it. the bye week means? It means we can't lose a game. It means we win. It means we win. If we can't we lose, win. it means we win. So, so we'll, we'll get out of here on that one. It was a tight wrap-up. Just wanted to recap this Jets game and go a little bit more big picture, as we said we've been doing. Follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And as always, head over to wherever you get podcasts and download, like, subscribe, rate, and review. It does big things for us. This last podcast was the biggest one yet, so we want to keep building on that. And many thanks for supporting us. That will do it for the One Giant Podcast. We'll be catching up with you. We'll come to you next week with some kind of information. I know we will. Maybe coaching changes. We absolutely will. And with the bye week, it'll give us a little bit more ammunition to talk after we watch this game and the game film again. And we'll come to you with a little bit more pointed points about the Giants as we go into the bye week. Pointed points. Only Andy Makowitz can give you that type of insights. You're going to want to stick around for those. And as always, this has been One Giant Podcast. I like that.